The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Frank Holland, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show is live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your 5 at 5. We begin with bracing for some Wednesday whiplash. Stocks set to erase yesterday's gains. Big tech keeps futures under pressure. Front and center is Alphabet. Google Cloud sales, they fail to impress. That stock's heading lower ahead of the open. But it's a very different story from Microsoft. Impressive cloud growth fueled by AI is sending that stock higher in the pre-market. Plus, the D.C. drama, it continues as Republicans float yet another name to possibly unify that party. And then later, what one market guru says could spark a year-end stock rally. It's Wednesday, October the 25th, 2023. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Collins. Get you ready to start this day. As always, we kick off the hour with a check on U.S. stock futures after the S&P had its first positive day in the last six sessions and the Nasdaq had its best day in a week. Take a look right now. Bit of a mixed picture. You see the blue chip index of the Dow looking like it would open up just about 50 points higher. However, the S&P under a bit of pressure. The Nasdaq more than 50 percent lower in the pre-market. Those alphabet results weighing on the index, also checking Meta down almost a percent ahead of its earnings after the bell later today. We also want to check the bond market. The 10-year yield still hovering below that 5% mark that it hit earlier this month. Take a look at yields right now. The benchmark at 4.86. The two-year still above 5%. The 30-year bond hovering just below 5%. We're also looking at energy this morning, coming off its lowest close in just about two weeks. Take a look. In the green this morning, at least fractionally for WTI to 83.76 a barrel, 83.78 a barrel. Brent crude back below 90 bucks a barrel this morning. Natural gas under some pressure down about a half a percent. All right. Turn our attention now to our top story this morning. Two very important reports from big tech accounting for about 10 percent of the entire market cap of the S&P 500. Of course, we're talking Microsoft up three and a half percent and Alphabet down just about six and a half percent right now. Going to toss things over to senior technology reporter Arjun Kapal, which much with much, much more on both of these reports. Arjun, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Let's just dig into some of the numbers Then Microsoft and Alphabet both beating on the top and bottom line. But it was the tale of two clouds that was in focus for investors. Microsoft's intelligent cloud segment made $24.26 billion in revenue, up 19% year on year and smashing past consensus. Azure revenue, meanwhile, jumped 29% in the September quarter, also ahead of consensus. Also helping Microsoft shares after hours was commentary around AI, the big focus for investors. CFO Amy Hood said AI usage led to three percentage points to Azure growth. Microsoft's early bets on AI clearly beginning to pay dividends here 
Meanwhile, Alphabet's Google Cloud unit posted revenue of $8.41 billion in the third quarter below expectations, while profit remained slim. While Alphabet's core advertising business remained resilient, it needed to show investors it could justify that massive 57% share rally we've seen this year. And the market clearly was disappointed by what it saw in cloud computing. Investors hoping to see the AI boom helping Google will have to wait a little bit longer too, Frank. So, Arjun, there is also a lot of excitement about Microsoft's AI co-pilot in this earnings report. Did Alphabet, did it give more details about how it plans to compete when it comes to AI and, and in cloud? Yeah, so just on that Copilot, it's an interesting product. It's a $30 per month per user product. Uh, and it's sort of like a chat GPT across all of Microsoft's uh, various products. It's garnered a lot of excitement from investors hoping that can boost uh, Microsoft's revenue. CFO Amy Hood tempered those expectations, however, saying that it would, quote, grow gradually over time. But clearly, from the after hours move, Microsoft feel, or investors feel, Microsoft has taken an early lead in this AI race amongst the tech giants. For Alphabet, it. However, that's not the case. We didn't hear much about how AI was going to contribute now to sort of revenue and profit for the company, but Google is planning to soon launch a new AI foundational model called Gemini. Investors will be hoping this might help boost the company's cloud division and open up uh, some of those new AI revenues for the company, Frank. All right, Arjun, thank you very much. Arjun Kapal, live in London. All right, time now for a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. Our Silvana Hanau is here with those. Silvana, good morning. Hey, Frank, good morning. Well, California is kicking General Motors cruise unit off state roads, suspending its autonomous driving permit and halting its robo taxi services in San Francisco, saying the vehicles are not safe for public operation. Officials allege crews misrepresented the safety of the technology used in their vehicles after the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration opened up an investigation last week. Visa shares moving lower despite an earnings beat and strong guidance, boosted by an ongoing rebound in international travel. For the quarter, free cash flow came in at over $6.5 billion compared to the $4.7 billion expected. The company also announcing it's buying back more stock. And shares of SunPower also sliding down about down nine and a half percent in pre-market. Now, the company says it plans to restate recent financial statements, calling them unreliable reflections of the cost of revenue. A review into the financial impact of the errors is ongoing and subject to change and comes amid a massive downtrend for the stock with shares nearly down 75 percent this year, Frank. Yeah, shares down almost nine and a half percent right now, Silvana. We'll see you later on the show. Thank you. All right, turn our attention back to Washington, D.C. All the drama down there, it continues this morning. House Republicans floating yet another name to possibly unify the party. NBC's Bree Jackson joins me now from Washington. Bree, good morning. Good morning, Frank. So late last night, Mike Johnson of Louisiana was chosen as the GOP nominee for House Speaker, and he's now seeking to achieve something that the last three nominees failed to do, and that's earned 217 votes from within his own party to win the gavel. Last night, he told reporters he's very confident that he can secure those votes. The Louisiana congressman could be put to the test of a full House vote as soon as noon today. Now, Johnson is well-liked in the Republican Party, and he has, for the most part, avoided making many political enemies here on Capitol Hill. 
The GOP held a roll call vote to see how much support he had for a possible floor vote. And he said there were no votes against him. However, some members do uh, were absent from that vote, and he said he'd reach out to them overnight. Now, the previous nominee, Tom Immer, he only lasted about four hours as the speaker nominee yesterday before he realized he didn't have enough support, and he dropped out. So now Republicans are focused on their new nominee, Mike Johnson. We've got a number of nominees with their hat in the ring. Remember, Kevin McCarthy removed from how, as House Speaker. It was just about three weeks ago. Is it actually possible we could see him return? So three sources told NBC News that Kevin McCarthy has started floating this new idea to reinstall him as speaker and Jim Jordan would be the assistant speaker. The idea is to unite the diff- different fa- uh, factions of the party. But it's still unclear if this pitch will actually gain any traction among Republicans. When asked why this idea, one GOP lawmaker replied, we're desperate. Frank? Our, our Bree Jackson live in D.C. with all the D.C. drama. Great to see you as always, Bree. All right, we got a lot more to come here on Worldwide Exchange, including the one word that investors have to know today. But first, what one market guru says needs to happen to spark a year-end stock market rally. Piper Sandler's Craig Johnson coming up. Plus, a wild ride for shares of Snap, thanks to some advertising uncertainty. And then later, much more on Microsoft and Alphabet. We speak with one investor playing the long game, and we ask if she thinks Google's downside move is an overreaction. We have a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. Stay with us. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Taking a look at futures right now, we see the Dow in the green. But important to note right now, the Nasdaq down more than a half a percent. Following those alphabet earnings, that stock down. Meta also down ahead of its earnings after the bell. Let's see how Europe is shaping up as its trading day gets underway. Jamana Bersetti in our London newsroom with much more on the early action. Jamana, good morning. Morning, Frank. Well, let's start off with Asian markets, because as you can see behind me, it was a much more positive session than we've had as of late. The Shanghai Composite up four-tenths of a percent, and these markets are really cheered on by prospects of extra fiscal stimulus coming through from Chinese policymakers. The Chinese parliament approved a one trillion yuan bond issuance, and those funds are going to be used for uh, rebuilding disaster zones and improving infrastructure. And on the back of that, we have seen a bit of an uplift to any China-exposed stocks. The Hang Seng also 
up six tenths of a percent. The Nikkei also coming off three-week lows here, up two-thirds of a percent. But over in Europe, it's a slightly different picture, Frank. Today, we're very much focused on earnings season, a lot of earnings coming through. Uh, we're seeing some major disappointments in the payment space, the likes of Worldline right at the top of the, right at the bottom of the stock 600, down 40 percent today. It's dragging down other names in the sector as well. FTSE 100, the relative outperformer here, we're seeing some moderate green in basic resources and miners. But for the most part, again, the banking sector is under pressure there. Barclays yesterday disappointing with their earnings. Zetsche DAX in Germany, you can see down three-tenths of a percent. And then Kekarant also down four-tenths of a percent, namely because of one stock. So let me just take you to what's happening in the luxury space today in Europe. Carrying shares have hit their lowest level since March 2020, after sales fell 9% in the third quarter, missing estimates. Sales at the group's two biggest brands, Gucci and Saint Laurent, fell 14 and 16% respectively as a global slowdown in luxury spending weighs on demand. So carrying down 4%, not only is it at the bottom of the Cacarons, but also pulling down the luxury space as a whole. I also spoke about banking earnings. Well, it's a bit of a tale of two halves. Barclays yesterday, disappointing, but very strong numbers come through from Deutsche Bank today. You can see the stock is up 6% today in trading amongst the best performers after the German lenders said it may return more capital than expected to shareholders in the form of dividends and share buybacks. Shares in the German lender are on track for their best day since March. And you can see they've kind of been trading sideways for the better part of this year. But today, uh, they've really shot northwards and are right at the top of the DAX. Frank. All right, Jamana, thank you very much. Our Jamana Brissetti live in our London newsroom. All right, turning our attention back here in the U.S., the yield on the benchmark 10-year Treasury is inching just slightly higher right now, right now at about 4.86 after breaching the 16-year peak above 5% on Monday. It's largely been in retreat mode. Your next guest believes that downward trend will continue and we could see a major downside move in the 10-year by the end of this year, which could be a major catalyst for a rally in stocks. Craig Johnson is the chief market technician at Piper Sandler. Craig, good morning. It is great to have you here. Good morning, Frank. Thanks for having me back on. All right. So we always talk about your S&P price target. It's 48.25, about a 13 percent upside from where we're at right now. And now you have a new forecast for the 10-year yield. Give it to us. Which way is it going? Frank, I think the 10-year bond yield is going to be heading lower, and the rationale for that is simplistically from a technical perspective, we're seeing a divergence happening. As we saw 10-year bond yields work their way toward that 5% level, reach that sort of level, we've been watching the momentum sort of trailing off as we go. In a technical world, we'd call that a divergent move. And if we step back and say... Where can 10-year bond yields ultimately go? We got to really pull out the long-term charts, Frank. We got to go back and look at the long-term secular change that's happened in 10-year bond yields. And I'll just note, since 1981, we have been in a 40-plus year downtrend in rates. In 22, we finally reversed that downtrend. And Frank, when you accelerate through those downtrend reversals, you always get a pullback and a retest of support. I would not be surprised by year end, Frank, to see the 10-year bond yield, you know, have a three in the front handle and maybe be as close to three and a half percent, because I do think you need to see 10-year bond yields come back and check that area of what was resistance, which is now going to be support. And that would be a big catalyst, we think, for equities, especially the long-dated ones. And I think a lot of investors would certainly uh, be uh, encouraged by that move. I'm sure a lot of investors would. So pretty bold prediction. Just to be clear, you're saying the yield on the 10-year, it's going to move more than a percent by the end of the year. You need to mark your calendar, Craig. We've got to have you back in December to see if this all works out. Um, Anytime. <laughs> also, I, I want you to read the charts for us. So we know what your price target is for the S&P for year end, 48.25. But let's look at the S&P's recent action. Um, it's below its 50-day, peaking just above its 200-day average right now. 
for the near term. We know you're saying S&P ends at 48.25, but near term, what is this what does this tell you? What are the charts telling you about the S&P action? Well, the price action for the S&P, I mean, we made the lows in October of 22. And on a near-term basis, Frank, we've been trying to, uh, we've been seeing the market just sort of pulling back. The S&P has been pulling back. We're off, you know, mid-single digits from where we were in the July highs. But it's finding a lot of support around this 4,200 level. Uh, it's also been a retracement levels area of support here, lower end of the channel, the 200-day moving average, all those things are there. And at this point in time, Frank, the market has gotten to be pretty oversold on a lot of the individual equities inside of the S&P 500. I think it's going to be very difficult, sort of like pushing a beach ball below the waterline in a pool. I think it's going to be harder to push the S&P lower from here. I think you're going to have to see it move up. True confirmation of that, Frank, is going to happen, that the trend is reemerging and reasserting itself when you get back above the 20-day moving average and also the 50-period moving average, which is around 43.76 for the 50-day. And I think uh, that's still yet to come. And as we get through this earnings season, Frank, I definitely think that the S&P is going to find that momentum to get there. All right. I want to talk to you about something just outside of earnings season right now. Uh, you actually, you're not a stock picker. But you added a stock to the Piper Sandler Selective Technicals Opportunity Fund. This one is a favorite here in Worldwide Exchange. It's energy drink maker Celsius. I drink a lot of it myself. Um, what makes this an attractive stock technically to add to your, your, your tactical uh, opportunity fund? Yeah, so what makes it attractive, Frank, is the fact that we've seen the shares pull back appreciably, and we've gotten just back to the longer-term uptrend support line. Uh, this is a stock that has followed fundamentally here at Piper. It is among their favorite names fundamentally, but better yet, technically, we've had a nice correction, a retest of support, and it looks like momentum is sort of rebuilding, whether you're looking at RSI, MACD, some of those sort of more technical indicators, Frank. I think there's 20% upside here in the stock, and Definitely, uh, we like it, and hence we added it into the uh, to the portfolio. Yeah, shares up more than 60% year-to-date. It's also a favorite of our Jim Cramer. I'm going to give you some inside baseball. I was in Cramer's office. There's like a mountain of Celsius in there. I had to like climb up and grab one. It's amazing. Craig Johnson, it's great to see you as always. Thank you for your forecast. Forecast in the 10-year yield is going to go below 4% by end of the year. We're going to have to follow back with you. Thank you. Thanks, Frank. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, Facebook parent Meta Platforms getting set to report on our Julia Borston. Breaks down the quarter. That was and the number one thing that you need to watch after the close. We're back right after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Time now for your big money movers. We're going to start off with Snap. Coming off a bit of a wild ride yesterday, initially soaring on a top and bottom line beat before declining on ad spending concerns. The company warning a number of advertisers they pause spending in the face of the Israel-Hamas war and announcing it will not provide Q4 guidance due to the unpredictable nature of war. Snap shares up 1.5% right now. Shares of Texas Instruments falling. The chipmaker offering a disappointing revenue forecast for the current period. 
saying it expects demand for industrial and electronic components to continue slumping. Revenue for the third quarter declining by 14 percent, with full-year revenue now on course to drop by 10 percent, breaking three years of consecutive sales growth. Shares of TI right now down 5.5 percent. And stride shares, they're surging in the pre-market. The education company posting record first quarter revenue of $480 million compared to the $425 million estimated, driven by strength in its general education and career learning divisions, EPS. That was also a major beat, coming in at $0.11 cents per share compared to the estimate of $0.37 cents per share loss. You can see those shares up just over 11%. Let's get a check on more of this morning's headlines. We have NBC's Philip Mena. He's in New York with the very latest. Philip, good morning. Hi, Frank. Good morning. Let's start with the situation growing more dire in Gaza. After more than two weeks of Israeli bombing, Palestinian health officials say more than 5,700 people are dead in Gaza. More than 700 were killed on Tuesday alone, half of them children. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is now endorsing humanitarian pauses in the bombing, something that the U.S. vetoed at the U.N. just last week. The eye wall of a Category 5 hurricane slammed into Mexico just a few hours ago. Hurricane Otis quickly gained strength before making landfall about five miles south of Acapulco. Forecasters are warning of catastrophic damage. The National Hurricane Center is calling this a nightmare scenario. It's one of the strongest storms to ever hit that area. Finally, the World Series matchup is set. In a climactic Game 7 of the NLCS, the Arizona Diamondbacks outlasted the Philadelphia Phillies at Citizens Bank Park, punching their ticket to the World Series for the first time since their only appearance in victory in 2001. The D-backs will now head to Arlington on Friday to face the Texas Rangers in the first game of the series. And Frank, uh, I'm an Astros fan, and if I remember correctly, you're a Philly fan. So this one is going to be very, very tough for us to watch. You know, it's not going to be tough for me, Philip, because, you know, my team, we played hard and we didn't cheat. We just lost. Ah, we just lost. Yeah. That was so low, Frank. By the way, I mean, my producers, shout out to those guys back there. They're trolling me. They, they insisted this was in here because they know I'm from Philly and I'm, I'm a Philadelphia sports fan. Yeah. But hats off to the people that won. It's going to be a great World Series. And, Philip, sorry about your Astros. Hey, so. kicking me while I'm down, man. <laughs> great to see you as always, man. Have a great day. All right. All right, straight ahead here in Worldwide Exchange. While the transports, they could be at a tipping point. A look at two major companies set to report results and what they may be saying about the direction of the U.S. economy at large. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. And Worldwide Exchange will be back right after this. Stay with us. It's right around 5.30 a.m. in the New York City area, and there's a lot more ahead here on Worldwide Exchange. Here's what's still on deck. The S&P and the Dow snapping their losing streaks as investors traverse through the busiest week of earnings. Futures are pointing to fresh pressure. Also, shares of Microsoft, they are taking off on the back of quarterly results as the tech giants leg up on AI. It appears to be paying off. Different story for Alphabet. Shares getting hit after a miss in the cloud overshadows better than expected results. It's Wednesday, October the 25th, 2023. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Collins. Get you ready to start the day. As always, we pick up the half an hour with the check on U.S. stock futures. Take a look. Bit of a mixed picture right now. The Dow looks like it would open up about 50 points lower, moving to its highs of this morning. However, the Nasdaq under some pressure this morning, down over a half a percent. We also want to pay attention to the bond market. As always, we look at the benchmark 10-year. That yield right now at 4.85, still well below 
the 5% yield that we saw in recent days. We continue to watch the two-year and the 30-year, both right around 5%, the two-year just above 5%, the 30-year bond, the long bond, hovering just below 5% yield. We also want to talk energy, specifically oil. WTI, the U.S. benchmark, trading at 83.94 a barrel, up just about a quarter of a percent. Brent crude back below 90 bucks a barrel. Natural gas taking a move, a bit of a reversal right now, up just over a quarter of a percent. It was in the red earlier this morning. All right, that's the setup from the U.S. markets. Time now to get back to two of your biggest money movers of this morning. Of course, we're talking Microsoft and Alphabet. You can see these two stocks moving in opposite directions, despite both of them beating quarterly top and bottom line estimates. Let's start with Microsoft reporting a 27 percent increase in net income thanks to cost cutting efforts with Azure cloud revenue growth accelerating after two years of declines. You see those shares are up over three and a half percent right now. Alphabet also posted revenue growth of 11 percent, its first double-digit increase in over a year, but says revenue in its cloud division will come in at $84.1 billion. That's more than $20 million below estimates. You see those shares under pressure this morning, down more than 6.5 percent. Let's dive deeper into the quarter with Nancy Tangler, CEO and CIO of Laffer Tangler Investments. Nancy, great to have you here. Thanks so much for having me, Frank. I love the energy at early morning hours. I'm I'm trying. I'm trying. It's a lot of energy drink. But let's talk about you. You're an investor in both of these names. I want to start with Alphabet. Again, those shares under a bit of pressure. Um, The cloud disappointing results. We heard Ruth Porat tell CNBC cloud optimization efforts really weighed on, on the quarter. What's your outlook on cloud? Are you concerned about Google not seeing the cloud growth that Microsoft saw? Yeah, I mean, I think what you have to uh, be worried about as an investor is that Microsoft gained share during the quarter. Uh, you, you know, I think Sendar Pichai got caught flat-footed uh, on the on the open AI, generative AI issue. And so it, that gave Satya Nadella an opportunity to step in. He is now expanding uh, AI across the office suite. So they have the first mover advantage. And I think that has put pressure on Google as well as, you know, the revenue growth was was impressive, but it was driven primarily by ad revenue. And and what multiple do you pay for that over the long term? That's our concern as an investor. So I want to talk about the ad revenue for a minute. Uh, YouTube ads, it beat estimates, generally a read on consumer confidence across the economy. But I really want to focus on what it means for Alphabet. Uh, The company said it was fueled by the Sunday ticket. We don't talk about Google as a streamer very often, but they really are. YouTube's probably the might be the biggest streaming platform of them all. And they added live sports with football. Do you believe this growth in ads? Is it is it sustainable even if we see an economic downturn? Is this something that you're looking at as an area of growth going forward? I think it's an area of growth stability. Uh, next year we have it is a political year, so that's always good for the ad uh, generators, ad sellers. Uh, so, so I, I'm not. I mean, it's it's a holding for us. It's not a major holding. Microsoft is our largest holding across all of our large cap equity strategies. And I think investors should look for an opportunity if they don't own Google to, to get in. Ruth Korat is probably one of the better uh, operators in, in corporate America. And so I think we need to give her some time. But it is a concern that that's, that's the driver um, and, and th- that cloud is slowing, at least for uh, Google. That, that's my biggest concern. All right. And margins. Got it. Let's turn our attention to Microsoft. You're also an investor in this name. Uh, those shares obviously up this morning. We saw, actually saw, when it comes to Microsoft, cloud revenue accelerate, possibly bouncing off of a bottom. What did you take of the Azure results? Also important to note, from the, from the report yesterday, we saw that Azure's open AI customers increased by 63%. 
Yeah, 18,000 corporations using the product uh, and add Laffertangler to that. Probably didn't make the count. Um, I, I think a couple of things. This is a company that's really firing on all cylinders. You know, the Activision deal is going to bring them 13 games via Game Pass that, you know, are a billion dollars each. Uh, if you look at uh, cloud growth, they are taking share. It is still in the high 20 percent range with Azure at 29 percent. That's pretty impressive growth in a company that big with revenues that large. And then you've got Nadella taking the first mover advantage, as I mentioned earlier, you know, offering and expanding the AI uh, offering across all of, all of the office suite. I think that is going to be very sticky, the $30 a month charge for OpenAI, uh, ChatGPT, the usage of that is also something that is going to be a revenue generator. I mean, the naysayers were saying, Frank, that, you know, this, uh, that AI was a flash in the pan. I think not. And uh, I think this is a company that you need to have as a core holding in your portfolio. Despite current valuations, they do pay a dividend. The yield is not that high. It's below 1%, but they're growing it pretty materially every year. And you mentioned the valuation, Microsoft trading at 32 times forward earnings. I want to get back to this AI co-pilot. Again, it launches on November 1st. Um, any concerns about a lack of clarity about how much revenue it could generate? You're saying it's definitely a revenue generator, but we didn't hear any numbers, no projections, nothing concrete. I, I think that was wise of management. They don't, they don't know yet. I, I, I do think, though, if you look at the adoption of existing customers, you, you will see growth. I, I don't know that it's going to, you know, it's a, a pretty, it's hard to put a dent in that uh, overall revenue of the company. But I think what it will do is it will, it will make the user stickier. And over time, you'll see that it contributes more and more. Just go back and think about the Apple Watch. When it first launched, you know, people kind of rolled their eyes. And then it became a material contributor to Apple's uh, revenue growth and sale uh, and profit margin growth. So I, I'm not concerned about that. I think this is a company that knows exactly what they're doing, and they're not going to make promises they can't keep. All right, Nancy, I want to turn our attention to Meta. Reports after the close today are Julia Borston as a preview of what to watch in those results. Revenue growth will be the key number to watch when Meta reports after the bell. Analysts are projecting 21 percent revenue growth, which would be Meta's fastest pace in two years, going back to the third quarter of 2021 when Meta grew revenue at a 35 percent pace. Other key items to watch include what the company says about a strengthening ad market, how new AI tools are helping with targeting and measurement, growth in reels, plus how the company plans to monetize WhatsApp and Messenger. We'll also see what kind of expense guidance Meta gives and what it's called is, quote, year of efficiency. Bernstein writing, quote, we see no better risk reward in the Internet right now than Meta. Even if we see a larger expense guidance above $100 billion, we expect the company to comment that investment levels are tied to core performance. And on the heels of yesterday's lawsuit from 42 state attorneys general, we'll see if CEO Mark Zuckerberg gives any details on how this might financially impact the company. Frank, back over to you. All right. Important to note that Meta shares are actually under some pressure this morning, down almost 1%. So, Nancy, I know you're no longer a Meta investor. You sold your position. But in general, what are you looking at when it comes to Meta results? And are you concerned about that lawsuit? Well, I think the lawsuit, I mean, it's it's noise, right? These, these um, I, well, I, I think it has merit potentially, but I don't think it's going to put the company in jeopardy. Uh, the, these these lawsuits are reminiscent to me of, you know, old tobacco back in the day. And so, yeah, I think they have some work to do. They'll find a, a workaround. They'll find a solution. I think 
for me, the bigger issues, I'm just not crazy about the market, uh, the model. And, you know, we've seen from from uh, Google that revenue growth was was decent um, in the ad space. I think uh, Meta will show the same. But over the long term, the real question is going to be how are they going to um, monetize Insta? And that that is the issue for me, I think. Um, We've looked for an opportunity to get back in. We sold back in 2021 at surprisingly levels higher than current. We missed the the low again. Uh, but but again, I've always been a reluctant shareholder of Meta just due to the two share um, status where the investors really have not much to say uh, and and management owns the, the direction of the firm kind of entirely. So I, I think there's better places to be despite what Bernstein said. And it's a firm I respect very much. All right. Uh, shares up over 150 percent year to date. So you said you're looking for a possible position where you can get back in. Obviously, big rise in the shares this year. I right. want to hit on something else that Julia mentioned, the CapEx spending. Um, really elevated number right here. Um, what do you think about their spending? It's, uh, it's mostly focused on AI and enabling their business for AI. Do you believe that's a wise invest- investment? And does that completely blow up the narrative of the year of efficiency? Yeah. Well, it's it's hard to tell, isn't it, Frank? I mean, this was Facebook all not that long ago, and then it became meta because right. the metaverse was going to drive the universe, and now they're pivoting to AI. I mean, you give credit to managements when they pivot, for sure. But I think, um, you know, Google's costs went up as well last quarter, despite laying off uh, 7,800 employees. I think there's a lot of fat in these companies, and you can call it the year of efficiency, but if you're still spending at, at the robust levels we've seen from both of those companies, you do have to step back and take a pause. Um, and, and I'll just say this. We took a look at, at Meta uh, to get back in, and we decided not to. We made our bets in things like Spotify uh, in, in the space, and among other names. So I, I think at this valuation level, and I could be very wrong, so if you own the stock, don't act on my advice. But <laughs> I think that, that you should probably just take a pause and see what management has to say and then look at the future. Cutting costs is a strategy for the short term. It's not necessarily a strategy for the long term. Where's the growth going to come from? When is the spending going to ease? That, that's my concern. All right. Nancy Tengler saying, be careful with Meta. Uh, Ford PE of about 23 times those shares under pressure, but off their lows of earlier. Nancy, always great to see you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Frank. Well, in addition to big tech, it's also a big week for transport's earnings. Transports, of course, are often seen as a recession indicator. And they're currently 6% higher year to date, coming off the highs of earlier this year and now underperforming both the S&P and the NASDAQ. So the next 24 hours, it could be a major inflection point with about 50% of the index weighting reporting earnings. So Old Dominion Freight Lines, a trucker with the highest weighting in the Dow Transports, reports before the bell today, UPS reporting before the bell tomorrow, a wide range of companies reporting in between. Here's what we know. Rail volumes are down 4% year to date, but we have seen a, a modest upswing in recent weeks as we approach the holiday season. A similar story for trucking. Rates are a proxy for demand, still lower year over year, but well off lows with a choppy recovery with the bankruptcy of yellow playing a bit of a factor. So that trucking collapse and the Teamsters possible strike at UPS, the focus of a conversation I had with Bill Lee, chief economist of Milken, who says we need to rethink how we look at transports as a recession indicator. There are tentative correlations between what happens to the transport index and the overall economy, uh, but you have to be very careful to parse out what it is that's causing that transport index to shoot either up or down. Um, like I said, higher jet fuel prices or, or the potential strike uh, could do things that are completely unrelated to the economy. 
All right, take a look at this. Here are the companies reporting in the next 24 hours ranked by weighting. Not all of them, but we're showing you the largest weighted. Old Dominion, that's about 17% of the index. This one company could potentially pull the index into the red. And also a question, are transports a good indicator? We'll have to see. All right, coming up here in Worldwide Exchange, a major hit on shares of LG Energy, the latest signal of a bumpy road ahead for electric vehicles. But first, as we had to break, we have a few of your top trending stories. We're going to start off with Bud Light getting another chance to fight. The UFC announcing a six-year marketing partnership with Anheuser-Busch in an effort to revive a slump in sales. As part of that agreement, Bud Light will receive exclusive branding at UFC events, marking the largest promotional deal in UFC history. The Taco Tuesday trademark tussle finally has a winner. Taco Bell announcing restaurants all across the U.S. They cannot use the phrase without fears of a copyright violation. After a New Jersey-based restaurant, it gave up its registration of that trademark. And Beyonce may be having a banner year, but Jay-Z says lunch with him is just not worth $500,000. The rapper settling the two-year debate of whether you'd rather have half a million dollars or lunch with Jay-Z declaring, you got to take the money because we're not going to say at lunch. He also added that anything he would say at lunch is already in the music, so you should take the money and just buy the CDs. Or, you know, stream. All right, much more Worldwide Exchange coming up in a moment. Stay with us. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. It's time now for your morning call sheet. We start with Barclays raising its rating on Verizon, moving it to overweight. It says improvements in the telecom giant's second derivatives and free cash flow are still not reflected in its valuation. Also, we got UBS hiking its rating on Chewy to neutral from sell. It says the stock's near-term risk reward. It looks balanced, adding while there are still legitimate questions about Chewy's long-term earnings power, there's limited potential downside. Those shares up just about 2% right now. And it's one of the stock stories of the morning. Of course, we're talking Microsoft. Bank of America raising its price target on the back of earnings to $415 per share. B of A saying an improving macro picture could drive upside to an already solid Azure outlook. While Microsoft's co-pilot has the potential to drive office acceleration, those shares up 3.5%. Time now for your global briefing. We start with Chinese property developer Country Garden defaulting on a dollar bond. Bloomberg reporting the company missed a $15 million interest payment that was due following a grace period. The report citing a notice to holders of lender Citicorp, a division of Citigroup, last week. Country Garden said it would not be able to meet all of its offshore payment obligations. Shares of LG Energy Solutions dropping 8% in South Korea today. The battery maker warning of slower growth next year as it expects weaker demand for electric vehicles. General Motors, which is LG's joint venture partner in a plant in Ohio, is slowing launch of several EV models to cut cost. Deutsche Bank's third quarter profit falling 8%, but that was better than expected. Revenue from investment banking slumped, but grew in retail and corporate banking on the back of higher interest rates. Deutsche is projecting its highest annual revenue in seven years. Coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, we have the one word that every investor needs to know today. Plus, we tee up another busy trading day ahead and why our next guest says he's bullish on boring. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, and other podcast apps. Much more WEX coming up after this. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your WEX wrap-up. We begin with House Republicans floating yet another name for House Speaker tapping Congressman Mike Johnson this after an earlier pick. Congressman Tom Emmer abruptly withdrew his bid for the position as he faced opposition. Snapshare is facing a wild ride, initially soaring on a top and bottom line beat before declining on ad spending concerns. The company warning a number of advertisers have paused spending 
in the face of the Israel-Hamas war, saying it won't provide Q4 guidance due to the unpredictable nature of war. Those shares up 1% right now. Shares of Texas Instruments falling on disappointing revenue guidance for the current period, saying it expects demand for industrial and electronic components to continue slumping. Those shares down 5.5%. Stride shares, they're surging after the education company posted record first quarter revenue driven by strength in its general education and career learning divisions. Those shares up more than 11%. General Motors facing a double dose of tough headlines. California announcing it's kicking the automaker's cruise unit off state roads, saying the autonomous vehicles are not safe for public operation. And this morning, Bloomberg reporting that Honda is planning to halt plans with GM to develop smaller electric vehicles. The report saying Honda CEO cites changes in the business environment for that decision. Shares of Honda and General Motors under pressure this morning. Here's what to watch today. We get weekly mortgage applications and new home sales figures. On the earnings front, results due today from Boeing, IBM, and of course, Meta. We talked about it earlier in the show. And then on the back of Boeing's results, be sure to catch a CNBC, CNBC exclusive conversation with CEO Dave Calhoun. That's at 9 a.m. Eastern today. And then at 10 a.m., we get the latest rate decision from Canada's central bank. Another busy trading day shaping, taking shape but with earnings once again front and center for investors. Let's take a look at how futures are shaping up right now. Uh, looks like they've taken a bit of a reversal, at least the Dow has, now going into negative territories. We mentioned all morning long the Nasdaq's been under pressure after those results from Alphabet. Also, MetaShare is trading lower in the pre-market. Nasdaq down more than a half percent. So big story this morning with futures is, of course, big tech. As we said, Microsoft going one direction, Alphabet going a different direction. Let's bring in Jason Katz, founder of Katz Wealth Management, a UBS company with $4.5 billion in assets under management. Great to have you here. Good morning. Morning, Frank. So give us a sense. How do you see the day ahead shaping up? Of course, we had two big tech reports, uh, those companies moving in different directions right now. Yeah, the bears, Frank, clearly have been in control. This whole higher for longer from Powell, the rise in long-term rates, and the speed in which those rates have moved up. And of course, you have the Mideast then oil going up in, in turn. The bulls, on the other hand, I think can hang their hat on the fact that, in our view, the Fed is on firm a pause. They are not raising rates any longer. Employment numbers are still robust. We're seeing more people enter the job market. And then lastly, earnings season. Yes, we got some mixed results last night, but by and large, we're seeing most companies beat expectations. So recession, that's still in question. Earnings recession, that's still up for debate. All right. So we've got a little debate here. You're looking at both sides of the coin. With that in mind, Jason, what is your WEX word of the day? I would say boring. So in spite of big tech delivering on earnings, by and large, I think it's time to downshift from the magnificent seven. We are bullish on boring. So it's not only utilities, but it's bonds. It's preferreds. You can get equity-like returns in asset classes and sectors that generally are defensive and boring. You take municipal bonds, for instance, and I know I'm predominantly focused on equities as someone who's a senior portfolio manager, but you're a New York resident, highest tax earner, you're getting over six plus percent on a municipal bond portfolio, or you get preferred stocks that are down over 10% from their highs, six, 7% yields wearing the black eye for the regional bank crisis. So boring is the new sexy. All right. So boring is the new sexy. Uh, kind of explain this thesis. I want to go back to utilities. We've had a number of our guests on in recent weeks. They're saying they got to get out of utilities because of the rate pressure. Uh, as we've seen yields just a short time ago, 
on the 10-year, top 5%, why do you want to get into utilities now? You want to buy from the fearful and sell to the greedy. Look, I understand the thesis why utilities are out of favor. They have large CapEx spend, and that hasn't helped. But utilities are effectively bond proxies. As rates have gone up, utilities have gone down. So now is a great entry point when you have a 17% drawdown from the high. These are safe havens in times of adversity, of stable revenue, high levels of regulation. You have earnings resiliency. And again, I'll come back to this thesis. You're getting paid while you're waiting. You're getting almost a 4% dividend yield. All right. To your point, utilities did come off their best day since April, finishing up 2.5% yesterday. As we saw those yields ease back a bit, I want to look ahead to the day ahead. Any other things that you're watching for in this day ahead? I'm looking to see the reaction, not so much to the earnings, but rather the guide. You've had this resiliency in the Magnificent Seven, and they account for the vast majority of the performance that we've had this year. We all know that all too well. But it's the guide, and that's what you're seeing with the reaction of Google and the inverse in a positive way with Microsoft. It's all about the future, not the present or the past. All right. So you're, uh, you're kind of making boring your wheelhouse. Any other boring ideas or other boring things we should think about? Big tech, a lot of fireworks on both sides of it between Alphabet and Microsoft, even looking at Meta, there's a lawsuit there. Any other boring ideas outside of big tech that you think investors should focus on? Yeah, and I want to be clear about this. You know, tech took us to the party. They may not take us home. That doesn't mean you abandon it, you right-size it. But take a look at industrials, another boring sector. But you know what, Frank, they're the picks and the shovels to the gold mine. You think about the exponential growth you're going to see in defense spending now, or all this re or onshoring, or the energy transition, or how about the $100 trillion required infrastructure spend that will happen around the world in the next quarter of a century? You're going to need industrial capacity to accommodate all of that. And it's an ideal entry point with the ISM PMIs near historic lows. So again, another boring sector that looks very attractively valued relative to elevated PEs for the S&P. The valuation of the industrials look very low. All right. Before we let you go, we got to get a little bit of excitement. Mega Cap Tech, again, Meta reporting its earnings after the bell. 4P of 23 times. Uh, under some pressure right now after that lawsuit announcement. What's your take on Meta? I, I think that Meta has uh, really demonstrated that they can continue to reinvent itself. That being said, I do think that you're seeing consumers and businesses being very tentative with respect to spending. You saw that in the SNAP results. So, I do think that a lot of these big tech stocks could be priced for perfection, at least for the time being. Jason Katz, it is really great to have you here. Thank you very much. I'm going to call you the Baron of Boring next time you're on. Appreciate it. All right, taking a (laughs) quick look at futures right now. As we mentioned, seeing a bit of a reversal when it comes to the futures from earlier. Now we're seeing another reversal. The Dow actually back in the green again, looking like it would open up about 25 points higher. But the Nasdaq, that remains under pressure, down about a half a percent right now following those results. From Alphabet, Meta also lower in the pre-market. we got to check Microsoft and Alphabet again. The stock's moving in opposite directions despite both beating quarterly top and bottom line estimates. Microsoft reporting a 27% increase in net income thanks to its cost-cutting efforts with Azure Cloud revenue growth accelerating after two years of declines. Alphabet also posting revenue growth of 11%. Its first double-digit increase in over a year, but says revenue in its cloud division will come in at $8.41 billion. That's about $20 million below estimates. That's it for us. Squawk Box up next. Thanks for watching.
You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.